Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. Hallelujah! Oh, I'm so excited to be up here. Glory be to God. Let me just get my stuff all out and ready. And Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, I was thinking about this. When God had our landlords move us into this building and pay for all of the renovations on this building and help us move in and everything like that. God knew at that moment that the pandemic was going to be happening. And he knew that we were going to have to have church outside. And he provided us with this beautiful parking lot and pieces of grass that we can utilize and be socially distanced and do everything according to the rules that they wanted us to do and still have church. We can have, do you realize we can have our entire congregation now here between people sitting. We can have 50 people sitting outside of their cars and we can have another 50 cars on top of that. Um, I don't know why. Well, yeah, we could probably fit them all the way down there and everything like that. The point is, is that God knew God knew the moment he moved us into this building that we were going to be right here, right now. There's lots of churches that have parking lots, but they don't have grass around their buildings. They don't have the space outside of their buildings to be able to have outside church like we are having. We are so blessed. My heart is so full to be able to see people's faces. I'm so excited. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, there it is. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. Amplified there, and I can see everything. There's no glare. Let's try it not in night mode. See if that's better. Eh, yeah, no, not so much. Okay, so we'll go back to night mode. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Oh, I'm just, my heart is full. I just, I don't know if you figured that out, but my heart is just so full and so excited. Amen. So like Pastor Gwen did last week, um, there was more to her sermon that she preached when we tag team preached on Resurrection Sunday. And, and so last Sunday, Pastor Gwen finished off the little tidbit of her sermon and, um, for us all and give, gave that fullness of what God had truly put into her heart. And the same way with me, I talked about humbling thyself. And there was, there was just so much more to talk about that the Lord just put on my heart to, to delve into that this morning and to talk about humbling ourselves before him. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I have to, I'm, you're going to see me holding on to this pulpit so that I don't wander too far and, and take out the, uh, the um, hi everybody on Facebook and everywhere. I don't want you to fall over. <laughs> so I'm allowed to go this way a bit like that. And then I'm allowed to go this way like this. And that's it. <laughs> so I'll be holding on to this. <laughs> I'm holding on. <laughs> There's been... areas of my life where I knew that I needed to have the Lord deal with them. And there's a point where you get to where you've completely humbled yourself to him. You, you, you're in that point where you're totally trusting with it. You may not be seeing what is happening um, in spiritually, physically in your body or physically in your mind or anything like that at that exact moment, but you know 
you've trusted and you've humbled yourself before him and you just know that it's going to happen. And I've experienced this a couple of times with some few things in my life. You know, there was there was a point in my life where um, I was dealing with an addiction. Um, and don't try and figure out what it was because you'll never figure out what it was. Um, but when I totally humbled myself to God and put my trust completely, totally and absolutely in him, it felt like it was overnight that all of a sudden those cravings, those desires were completely gone. They, they just, they don't exist in my life anymore. I'm completely free from that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's been other instances of things in my life where I just, I know that I've been, I've, God's wanted to deal with it and he has, and it's, there's just no desire, no, no um, drive for it anymore, anything like that. And I mentioned this before uh, in the last few weeks, last few months that, you know what, God is dealing with me and my eating and I'm making sure that I'm eating properly. I'm eating healthy so that I can lose weight and be a proper weight that I should be for my height and my body makeup and everything like that. And I'm going through a process in this right now. I know that God has done it. Oh, don't hit the mic, Neil. Um, sorry. Sorry for you, those of you online. Um, I know that God is doing a process in me. I may not see the physical evidence of it right now, but I know that it is happening on the inside of me. And there's going to be a day where I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be going about my life and I'm going to realize that food and eating does not have the same place in my life as it did before. I'm going to be free of it. I know Pastor Jason has talked about this in his life a couple, um, with certain instances. I won't go into details about it, where he just trusted God. And one day it was like, you know what? I don't want this anymore. And it was gone, completely gone. It's, we can all live in that. We can all live in that freedom. We can all live in that freedom. Why don't you all say that? I can live in that freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Hmm. Where shall we start? Hallelujah. Let's go to our main scripture. Uh, that's in 1 Peter chapter 5. Everybody start heading to 1 Peter chapter 5. It's at the end of your Bible. Almost. And we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Actually, you know what? No, we're going to start partway through 5. Let me see. Yeah, so in the second sentence of chapter, or verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. It's like wrapping an apron around you of humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Did you hear that? He gives grace to the humble. If you choose to wrap yourself like an apron in his humility. And really, I've said this before, hum humbling yourself before God is about trust. It's about trust. You think about um, uh, an alpha dog with other dogs. If the other dogs trust that alpha dog, they'll humble themselves below that, that alpha dog and they'll become what they call a pack. And they'll go together and they trust that alpha dog to take care of them and to do the things that an alpha dog does in, in, in a pack of dogs. Well, it's the same idea with us and God. When we humble ourselves, we're trusting him that he is going to perform his word in our lives. 
that what he says he will do, he will do. So, again, here it says in verse 5, Be clothed with humility, trust in him, for God resisteth the proud, though the proud are those who don't decide to humble themselves before God and think that they can do it better than God in their lives. I spent a whole lot of my life doing that. And I can tell you that it ended in disaster, or almost disaster, like this close to disaster. Very, 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 very close to disaster. And praise God, he got a hold of me and pulled me up out of the, mul the uh, mire and set my feet upon his rock and started building me up as I chose to humble myself and trust him. And he gave grace to me. And he can give grace to you. Grace is, is um, giving you something that you don't necessarily deserve in yourself. But because of who he is, he gives you grace. And if you choose to be humble, that grace abounds evermore. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. That he may exalt you in due time. Not you exalt you. Not you put yourself in a position that you think that you need to be in so that he can exalt you. You need to humble yourself and trust him. Put all your confidence in him. And then he's going to exalt you. And exalt you is kind of like it gives, you, gives me a picture, at least, of being lifted up. He's going to lift you up. Now, don't get the cart before the horse here. If you were like, okay, I want to be exalted. I want to be lifted up. So I guess I need to go and humble myself. You see that, that there's a slight twist to that. The way that I was saying that. There's a slight twist. Well, I want to be exalted. So I guess I'll go humble myself. Well, you humble yourself because you trust God, not because you want to be exalted. You see the difference there? You humble yourself because you trust God, not because you want to be exalted then he will exalt you. It says it right here. He promises it. But put your, put your eyes on God. Put your eyes on God. Put your trust in him. And then you just, you follow him and you, you work and um, spend time developing your relationship with him by trusting him, humbling yourself before him. And all of a sudden you'll be walking around one day and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm being exalted by God. I'm being lifted up in this situation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 7. Here's, this is a key thing here. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. A lot of the times in Christian circles, you hear people quote this verse. Well, just cast your cares upon him and he'll care for you. They don't talk about humbling yourself because that's part of it's part of this passage it's part of the thought that Paul is or sorry Peter is talking about right here is that humbling yourself and you cast your when you humble yourself you trust him i know i've said this many times when you humble yourself you trust him and when you trust him you trust him with your cares you trust him with the concerns in your life you trust him with the the problems in your life with the frustrations in your life, with the sorrow in your life. You trust him with every aspect of your life. So when you've humbled yourself and you're trusting him and you're letting him exalt you, you take that time and you're like, you know what? God can deal with this a whole lot better than I can. So I just cast my cares upon him. Lord, I just give this to you. I know that you are far better able to deal with this. And I know, Lord, that you'll show me what to do in this situation. And I just thank you and I praise you for it. And I give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. Praise your name. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Mm, 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 mm. Let's move over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 22 and 23, and we're actually going to look at it in the Amplified, which is on my phone. 1 Peter chapter 2. 
Yes, we can do that. There we go. Uh, verses 22 and 23, almost at the end of the chapter there. So this is talking about Jesus here. And just listen to the words. Verses 22 and 23 in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. He was guilty of no sin, neither was deceit or guile ever found in his lit, on his lips. When he was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. When he was abused and suffered, he made no threats of vengeance. But he trusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. Oh, hallelujah. This is talking about Jesus here. It's talking about Jesus here. It says, but he trusted himself and everything to do with himself to him who judges fairly, to his father. Jesus trusted his father to take care of himself so that he didn't have to retaliate. He didn't have to do anything. He knew that his God, his father would take care of him. So you know what? If Jesus can do it, we can do it. Hallelujah. If Jesus can do it, we can do it. He was our example on this earth. So if he can do it, we can do it. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, let's move over to Luke 18. The Gospel according to Luke in chapter 18. And we're going to uh, look at verse 18 and 19. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. Oh, hallelujah. And a certain ruler asked Jesus, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Jesus didn't even answer his question. He answered the root problem first. In verse 19, he says, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is, God. Let me read that again. And a certain ruler asked him, asking Jesus, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Who callest thou me good? Or sorry, why callest thou me good? None is good, save one that is God. Let me ask you a question. Are you God? Everybody should be shaking their head no right now. Just in case you're wondering. We're not God. Hear me clearly here. In ourselves without the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, there is no good in us. Period. There is no good in us whatsoever without God in us. Amen? In the Amplified, it adds on in verse 19, there is no, there is no good except God only. So, when we have Jesus Christ on the inside of us, when we've given our life to Christ, then we have good on the inside of us. Us separate from God, not good. Us with God, good. Us without God, not good. Us with God, good. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's move to John, uh, the Gospel of John. And chapter 15. And we're going to start right in verse 1. 
It says, chapter, uh, John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, or he clips it and prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Here, verse 4, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, nor can more can ye, except ye abide in me. You cannot, you cannot bear fruit, godly fruit, healthy fruit, ripe fruit, good fruit, unless you're abiding in Jesus, unless you're living in him. We're back to that, apart from God, not good. With God, good. If we choose not to abide in him, even if we're born-again Christians, but we take that part of our life that we're like, hey, I don't know if I really want to give that to you, Lord, to deal with. That's not abiding in him, even though you're a born-again Christian. I've done that before. It's not fun. I, I highly recommend not doing it. Take the time to make sure you're abiding in him in every aspect of your life. Have you given your every aspect of your life over to him? Have you humbled yourself? Abiding means to live in. To live in him. And when you live in him, you're humbling yourself in him. You're trusting him. Fully in, incorporating your life in him. Every aspect of your life has him in it. Again, I've said this many times before. We don't leave God at the door when we enter our workplaces. We don't leave God at the door when we enter our homes. We don't leave God at the door when we're going to the dentist or the doctor or the chiropractor or the physiotherapist or the massage therapist or wherever else you go. We don't leave God at the door when we enter the coffee shop or the grocery store or the meat market. God wants to be part of every part, every part of your life. Every, he wants you to abide in him in every part of your life. He wants you to take that time to humble yourself, to trust him in every aspect of your life. Then you'll start to bear that good fruit. You see, there's, there's a blessing in humbling yourself and trusting him. And we're going to go through some of that today. You're going to see... First thing that we talked about, he, those who humble themselves receive the grace of God in their lives. That's awesome. That's powerful. Here we're talking about fruit. When you abide in him, when you humble yourself, when you trust him, and you choose to, to give every aspect of your life and allow him to be part of every aspect of your life, you are going to have, think of the fruit that came out of the promised land when the spies went in. Okay. Think about specifically the grapes, the grapes that they brought out. It took two people to carry one bundle of grapes. They were so big, so ripe, so luscious. Think about that fruit. They had, like, had to put on a stick between two people's shoulders to carry them out and show them how big they were and how luscious and how beautiful and, and how awesome they were. That's the fruit of God. Picture that when you're thinking about grafting yourself into, the, into the, the vine, into Jesus, and abiding in him, and trusting in him, and walking with him in every aspect of your life. That's the fruit that you want coming out of your life. Oh, hallelujah. That's the fruit. We don't want to be apart from God and not be good because we're not good in ourselves. Galatians 6, 3. Let's move there. Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 3. 
<laughs> Praise Jesus. Oh, I'm supposed to look at this in the Amplified. Galatians 6, verse 3. It says, For if any person thinks himself to be somebody, <laughs> too important to condescend to shoulder another's load, when he is nobody of superiority except in his own estimation. Let's make sure that we're not thinking that we're, in, we're superior in our own estimation. <laughs> he deceives and deludes and cheats himself. You're cheating yourself of walking in that good, sorry, the good part is over this side. You're, you're deceiving yourself of walking in God's good, in that full, abundant fruit. Amen? Don't deceive yourself. Choose to humble yourself. Don't separate yourself from the goodness of God, who is good in all ways. Step over to this side and abide in him in every aspect of your life. Don't think yourself superior, like it says here. In your own estimation, in your own thoughts, in your own ideas about yourself. Humble yourself. Abide in him in every aspect of your life. Ha, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's move over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through to, to verse 9, because you need to see the context of this. And really what we're wanting to get to here is verse 9, because it, it really illuminates what's going on here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, as for myself, brethren, when I came to you, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. As for myself, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony and evidence or mystery and secret of God concerning what he has done through Christ for the salvation of men in lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy and wisdom. So Paul didn't come with a humanistic idea of Christ when he came to talk to the Corinthians. That's basically what it is saying right there. He didn't come in human philosophy and wisdom. Verse 2, For our resolve to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing mattered except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 3, And I was in passed into a state of weakness and fear and great trembling after I had come among you. And my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, which is enticing and plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, a proof by the Spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. Verse 5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. We do not want our faith resting in the wisdom of men. Men's ideas about God. That's how religion was created. Religion was created when men tried to figure out God in their minds. 
as opposed to trusting them in his heart. Remember, we're back to not with God, not good. With God, good. When we trust him in our hearts, then the revelation comes up from our spirit man and molds our minds into his thinking. Amen? Let me read that again. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men or human philosophy, but in the power of God. We want to rest in the power of God, not in human philosophy, not in the wisdom of men, but in, in the power of God. And that's how we can, when we humble ourselves, we abide in him, we trust in him, we then allow that power to come up and out of us. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Verse 6. Yet when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden, but it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age, or human wisdom, or of this world, nor of the leaders and the rulers of this age, not in their wisdom, is what it's saying, who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 7. But rather, what we are setting forth is a wisdom of God, once hidden from the human understanding, and now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification. If you read through Proverbs, I can't remember exactly which Proverbs it is, but there's one Proverbs where it, wisdom is talking in the first person. So it's wisdom is talking like it's a person. And it's, and it's basically it's Jesus talking. And it's saying that I, wisdom, was there when the mountains were being formed before the earth was formed and all this kind of stuff. That's what this is making reference to. Which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification, to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age or world perceived or recognized and understood this. Why? because they were separated from God and they were trying to figure out God in their own minds and creating religion. For if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Now here's the great, the great scripture about this. But, verse 9, on the contrary, as the scripture says, what I has not seen and ear has not heard, and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him, and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. Oh, hallelujah. That excites me. <coughs> That is awesome. Let me read that again. God is prepared and made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him affectionate and affectionately and reverently. That's not really a word. Properly, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. Look at what it says there. Promptly obeying him. Do you promptly obey him? Do I promptly obey him? When you hear him speak in your life, are you promptly obeying him? That's about humbling yourself, trusting him. He tells you to do something. It doesn't make sense up here, but are you choosing to say, okay, Lord, I trust you to do what you've asked me to do and promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed? Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. He wants to give his wisdom to us. His wisdom, he's been keeping it for the sons of men, for, this, for us, those who have given our lives to Christ. He has that wisdom, and he's ready to pour it out upon us if we choose to humble ourselves and trust him. 
to bring that wisdom, to bring the revelation for you in your life and for me in my life, how to step out of things that you've been dealing with in your life, how to leave them behind and not be entangled with them anymore. Galatians 5.1, I think it is, says, Jesus Christ set us free for liberty's sake so that we're not entangled in that bondage of our past anymore. We don't have to be entangled in that bondage. We can step into him in that humility and trusting him in every aspect of our life and walk in that and allow him to open our eyes to his wisdom to, to perform that in our lives, to walk that out in our lives, to live in victory in our lives in the wisdom that he has for us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, no. Let's go to Proverbs 9. Proverbs chapter 9. And we're going to look at verse 10. Mm, praise God. And again, I'm reading in the Amplified. Proverbs 9.10 says, The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning, the chief and choice part of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight and understanding. Let me read that again. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord. When it talks in the Old Testament about fearing the Lord, it's not about cowering in fear like you're going to be attacked. It's about revering him, giving him honor, trusting him. That's really what it's talking about. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you choose to revere God in your life, when you choose to trust him in every aspect of your life, that is the beginning of the opening of the door of God's wisdom in your life, a pouring out of God's wisdom in your life. I was talking earlier that you're going to see that there's benefits, there's blessings in humbling yourself. You don't humble yourself to get those benefits. You humble yourself because you trust God. And then you start to see all of these blessings and benefits come. You get wisdom like you've never seen before. My wife, Heather, is a great example of this. She, the wisdom that God imparts to Heather is amazing. It is wonderful because she humbles herself and trusts God in every aspect of her life. And some of the things that God puts on her heart to speak out are just, you, you sit there and you're like, wow, praise God. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. We can all walk in that. It isn't just Heather. We can all walk in that. We can walk in that fullness of that wisdom. We choose to humble ourselves. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to go back to John 15. Gospel of John, chapter 15. And we're going to continue on in verse 5. John 15, verse 5, and it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. I can add on to that. You can do nothing good. You can do stuff without him, but it isn't going to be good. If you do stuff without him, not good. If you do stuff with him, good. See, I'm using all of my pulpit. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I only got to the first verse. Verse 6. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. 
But, verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Ooh, did you hear that? Did you hear? Let me read that again. Let me read that again. Verse 7. If you abide in me, if you abide in Jesus, and your word and his words abide in you, then you can ask what you want, and it shall be done unto you. That's another blessing. Now, if you're, a lot of people take this and say that it, if you start to go down this road, it can be heretic, um, it can be blasphemous and other big words like that. <laughs> um, but if you're abiding in him, as you're walking in him, you're trusting him, you're humbling yourself before him, the desires of your heart are not going to be the desires of you without God. They're going to become the desires of God on your heart. So what on your heart to ask him for is going to be his will for your life. And you're only going to be blessed by that. There's no other thing that can happen. There's no other result from that that can happen. If you're humbling yourself in every aspect of your life, you're abiding in him, his words are abiding in you, what's on your heart is going to be his desires for you and for your life. And as you ask for those things, he's going to bring them. He's going to bless you. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Look at this in verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Our God in heaven, our God, our Father in heaven is glorified when we're carrying around big, huge bunches of grapes that we can barely carry ourselves because of what we're doing in our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. He gets glory from that. He gets glory from that. Oh, hallelujah. That is awesome. And when God gets glory, that's an amazing thing. Things happen when God gets glory. Amen. People's lives get changed when God gets glory. Amen. Our lives get changed when God gets glory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. It's right before Esther, right after Ezra. Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 10. Now let me paint the picture here of where verse 10 in chapter 8 comes out of. I read through a bit of the previous chapter in chapter 8. Basically what has happened is that the wall of Jerusalem has been finished. Everybody had their hammer in one hand, their sword in the other hand, and they were working arm in arm, and they built their part of the wall of Jerusalem, and it was done. I think it was 52 days, wasn't it, Pastor? 52 days it was done. The entire wall of Jerusalem was done. Oh, hallelujah. And it was time to read the scrolls of Moses. So the, the leaders... They gathered up all of the people. They brought them all together. And what was supposed to happen was the reading of the scrolls and a joyous occasion because they had rebuilt Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city again, fortified and strong and able again. And they were, they were about to read the scrolls. And so they started to read the scrolls and everybody started, they stood up and they started reading the scrolls and everybody started to weep and to mourn. And Nehemiah is like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. That's not the point here. 
That's not the point here. It says in verse 10, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When we have the joy of the Lord working on the inside of us, we are strong in the Lord. We are strong in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. Now, you've got that picture. Let's go back to John 15. Back to John chapter 15. No, that was 5. 15. And we're going to start in verse 10 this time. Look at what it says here. John chapter 15, verse 10. Again, Jesus is talking. If you keep my commandments, ye, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you. So what are these things? From verse 1 on, these things are all about being that branch that's grafted into the vine of Jesus and abiding in him like I was talking about. That's what he's talking about here. That's the context in which, which Jesus is talking about. What he's about to say is in the context of us trusting him, humbling ourselves, abiding in him in every aspect of our life, and allowing that big, huge bunch of grapes to grow up and out of us in, that, in our lives. Amen? These things have I spoken unto you, here we go, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. When we abide in him, and he in us, We've given our lives to him. We're trusting him in every aspect of our life. We're humbling ourselves before him. We're walking in that goodness and allowing that goodness to be part of our lives. We become full of the joy of the Lord. We get filled up with the joy of the Lord. At the beginning of my sermon, I was filled with the joy of the Lord to see everybody's faces in front of me again. It brought me so much joy. I was so full of joy because I've abided in him. I've trusted him. And we're able to have service like this and joy. I was full of joy. And that joy becomes our strength. Oh, hallelujah. When we trust him, when we walk in him, when we live in him. Oh, hallelujah. I won't get you to change, turn to it, but write this down. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. Let me read that again. This is Psalm 16, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. He's going to show you the path of life. He is going to show you the path that you're supposed to be on. It says in Psalm 119, I think around, it's either 105 or 115. I can never remember which one. Um, it says, his, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. His word is is that lamp unto our feet to show us where we are, and it's a light unto our path of where he wants us to go. You hearing that? Amen? Thou wilt show me the path of life. He is going to show you your path in life. Amen? And in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures evermore. Who sits at the right hand of God the Father? Jesus, that's right. Jesus sits at the right hand of God our Father. In him, 
in Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for us, who we can trust in, and what he said, it pleasures evermore. When we humble ourselves and trust in him and live our lives according to him, there are pleasures evermore. Living a life for Christ, there is nothing in this world that you could do that could ever come close to the satisfaction of living your life in Christ. It's not even in the same ballpark. It's not even in the same city. It's not even in the same province. It's not even in the same country. That's how far separated having a pleasurable life in this world separated from God, that's how far it is from being in God, walking in Him, walking in His purposes for our life. There's a satisfaction, a joy, a pleasure that just cannot be duplicated in this world whatsoever. Plain, period, end of sentence. No discussion. We want to be in that place. We want to walk in that place. Because there's fullness of joy. There's grace. There's mercy. There's fruit that abounds in our lives. Big, huge bunches of grapes that you need somebody else to help you carry in your life. Let's go to James 4. James chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 6. James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, But he, God, Jesus, giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. We read that in First Peter earlier on. He giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Then what does it say? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw nigh to God. Come, that means come close to God. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So when we choose to humble ourselves, trust him, walk in his ways, submit ourselves to him, that gives us that power and authority to resist the devil. Remember it said in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have strength in that joy to resist the devil. We've submitted to him. We, we walk around in the joy of the Lord. The devil has no chance against us. Amen? He runs from us. He runs from us because we can resist him. And then it says in 8, come close to God and he will come close to you. Choose to humble yourself and trust him. Come close to him and he will come close to you. He wants to come close to you. He's not. Let me paint a picture of you, for you. God is not sitting there on his throne with a little... Um, clipboard with a list on it and little checky mark boxes and he's not sitting there looking at you saying okay this one's checked today and this one and oh yeah okay yeah they did this one and then they did this one. Oh no they haven't done that one sorry i can't come close to you today i guess it's just not going to happen sorry about that have a good day bye-bye no that is not our God. Our God is sitting at the ready. 
He's sitting at the, he's wanting to come close to you. His desire, his heart's desire is to come close to you. His heart's desire is to be walking right side by side. Heather, can you come around? This is my wife, Heather. So we can be very close like this. Hallelujah. God wants to be this close to you all the time. He's ready to be this close to you all the time and never leave your side like you're in a three-rigged lace and you have, have your leg attached to each other and you're walking hand in hand all the time. That's where he wants to be in your life. So come close to him. Thank you, sweetheart. Come over to this side. Come to humbling yourself and being in his goodness. And you can resist the devil. You draw nigh to him and you draw close to him, and he will draw close to you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, and I'm coming close to the end of my sermon. Heather. Okay. Praise God. <laughs> hint, hint. Isaiah, chapter 40. Verse 31, the very last verse of Isaiah chapter 40. It says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So let's just stop right there. That word, wait, in the Hebrew, when you look at it, it doesn't mean sit on a couch and watch TV until Jesus catches up with you. It doesn't mean go and lay in your lounge in your backyard in Suntown until Jesus wakes up in the morning. That word, wait, means in the Hebrew to bind together by twisting. It means to bind together by twisting. So think about that. Think about a rope. I was in um, Sea Cadets or Navy Cadets when I was a teenager, and then I was an officer with the Sea Cadets for a while in, in my 20s, and I learned a lot about ropes. There's a reason that most ropes have at least three twines that are twisted together in them because it makes it very, very strong. It makes it a strong, a very tiny rope compared to a very big battleship or a destroyer can hold that ship at dockside because it's twisted together and it has a strength in being twisted together and, and bound together so that when it's, it's attached to the ship and it's attached to the dock, it looks small compared to the ship but it will hold that ship in place because of its strength of being twisted together. Oh, hallelujah. We need to be twisted together, bound together with God. That's what this is talking about. So let me read it that way. But they that entwine themselves, that twist themselves in together with God, that come together with God and and um entwine like fibers in between each other yourself with God. When you do that, he, he will renew your strength. Again, we're talking about trusting him and humble because you can't entwine yourself if you don't trust him. If you don't humble yourself. But they that entwine themselves with the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles, <laughs> little side note here, I was talking with Denny the other day and I was telling him something about an eagle's anatomy that their wings can lock in place or something like that as they soar and so they don't use much energy. Well, that was completely wrong, <laughs> just to let everybody know. It's, um, um, they don't, eagle's wings don't do that. Anyways, but they are very light and very powerful and very strong so that they can soar on the thermals for like miles upon miles upon miles to get to where they're going. But we shall mount up on wings as eagles. We will run and not be weary. 
So this is when we've entwined ourselves with him. We've been amalgamated ourselves with him. Two have become one with God. You amalgamating, amalgamating yourself, entwining yourself with him, you're becoming one with God. No separation from him. You will run your race that he has for you, and you will not be weary. You will walk the walk that he has for you, and you will not faint. Amen? Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. Does everybody see the benefit of humbling yourself? Trusting in him? Knowing that he's going to take care of every aspect of your life in his way. And his ways are much higher than our ways. He has a better way than we can ever think up in our own mind. His thought, that in Isaiah 55, it says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his ways are higher than our ways. And a lot of people think that that scripture means that, oh, we'll just never attain to God and his ways. But that's not what it's saying. That's not what it's meaning. What it's saying is that in our own minds, over on this side, us separated from God, yeah, we can't attain to him. But if we choose to abide in him, to trust him, to humble ourselves, believe him, and live in him, that we can attain his thoughts and his ways because they live on the inside of us. Because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, we have the fullness of Christ on the inside of us. We have everything that we need to do what God wants us to do. And I, like it said in Isaiah 40, 31, to, to run that race and to rock, walk that path that God has for us, we have all of that on the inside of us. Everything that we need is on the inside of us. We can attain his thoughts and his ways. It says also in the New Testament that the wisest wisdom of man is like foolishness to God. So you think about the wisest person that you can think about on this earth that has ever lived. People like maybe Einstein or um, that, that uh, theoretical physicist that was in the wheelchair. can't remember his name. And you know, other people that are highly intelligent, Elon Musk someone in our current life that's pretty intelligent and has thought of really amazing things, the wisdom that they have separated from God is like foolishness to God. That highest wisdom that they can have in this world is like foolishness to God. But we have God. We live in God. We abide in God. We trust God. We've humbled ourselves before God. And we cast all of our cares upon Him so that that wisdom can be enacted, engaged in our life. Amen? I'm trying to find the door to close, but I can't quite find it. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Let's just pray. Let's lift up your hands and start praying in tongues. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are there with us, Lord. You are wanting to be right beside us like we're in a three-legged race with you, attached with you, entwined with you, Lord. Lord, we choose to humble ourselves. We choose to trust you, Lord. We choose to abide in you in every aspect of our life. So that fruit, that abundant fruit, that full and luscious fruit, like came out of the promised land, those huge bunches of grapes, Lord, can come out of our lives. That they can be that can be continually coming out of our lives as the fruit of the Spirit are grown and, and come out of our lives, Lord, in their fullness, in their fullness, as we choose to trust in you, Lord, that we get to walk in your grace and your mercy. We get to walk in your joy that is our strength, Lord. We get to be entwined with you. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
and that you shall be with us forevermore, Lord. You shall deal with all of those things in our lives, Lord, that we want you to deal with far better than ever we could in our own ways and our own thoughts, Lord. But we trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.